Shalom Aleichem. This is a summary of the themes discussed in the first Sicha of Parshas Nasei in the Kuti Sichais Chelek Yud Beis. In the, this week's Parsha, Parshas Nasei, is a continuation of the theme of Parshas Bamidbar, which is, in the English, it's called the Book of Numbers. Why? Because in these two Parshas, there's a lot of counting happening. We're counting the Jewish people, we're organizing the Jewish people in camps, and we're subdividing and uh, giving each person their role, each tribe their role, placing them in their proper location, and counting them to the full count of the Jewish people, which is 603,550 of men who could go to battle, 20 to 60. And then it went into start, it started counting separately the tribe of Levi, which is the tribe which is dedicated totally to Hashem. And it had their count, which was 22,000 plus a bit. And then it even broke down that family itself, which continues into this week's Torah portion of the Levi family itself, down to the three families of Gershon, Kahas, and Miradi and how much each individual family has, and what their roles are. That Kohas has 2,750, and they were in charge of the vessels in the temple, carrying the vessels and taking care of the vessels of the temple of the tabernacle. Gershain had 2,630 people in his family. Um, This is all from the age of 30 to 50, um, the age in which they serve for the temple, the counts this particular part of the count. And Gershon was, again, 2,630 people, um, and their job was to take care of the Yeriyais, uh, of the all, the all the curtains and all of the rooftops, etc. And Mirari's job was to take care of the beams, uh, the structure itself, the beams of the, of the structure, and they had 8,580. 8, now, what does all of this mean? Why do we get up on an unearthly hour on a Saturday morning to read about this 3,300 years later? What is the relevance to our lives? What is, is, is the significance? So Chassidus explains that each of these three families represents different services that we do in the temple that each and, each and every one of us does in our life, is supposed to be doing in our daily life. And uh, essentially, the beams... Uh, um, correspond to the concept of fear of God, the curtains and uh, and rooftops corresponds to love of Hashem, and the vessels of the temple are actually serving God, and more particularly the study of Torah, and actually becoming one with the divine. That's what it represents, according to Hasidut, the connection, um, uh, how those things correspond to each other um, on the simplest level, will say, will explain if the core of the structure is fear of God. That would be the walls, the beams, like the bones of the body. The flesh and veins that you put on top of the bones is love because you're trying to get somewhere in your relationship. So it's not enough fear. Fear is the foundation, but then there has to be love. And eventually it ends up that one, love and fear is also not enough. You actually have to enter into the relationship with Hashem and that is done through the different particular uh, things that we do, which is uh, the, 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 the table for the bread and the ark for the tablets and for the divine presence. In other words, that we make ourselves vessels and chariots for the divine. We become one 
with the divine. So that is the significance and the meaning of what that is all about. But on a deeper level, or rather to extend that concept, what were the Jews doing in the desert in the first place? What are, the, what are, what are we doing in our lives? What are, what are we supposed to be doing? What is our mission? And what were they doing in the desert? And it's explained and expounded in the Zohar and in the Kabbalah and elaborated upon in Hasidus that the desert represents a place which is devoid of life, which is separate from godliness because God is the source of life. So the lack of life represents a lack of godly energy, a lack of godly uh, divine revelation. And that's why it's described as a land of snakes, scorpions, uh, um, uh, snakes, serpents, scorpions, and a place that there is no water, which these four things correspond to what's referred to in the Kabbalah as the three klipis, the three impure klipis, shells, and then the fourth shell called klipas noiga, which all represents a concealment of godliness a shell like a shell blocks you can't see the internal workings of what's happening this blocks us from seeing godliness the ego is separating us from hashem and that's what the desert was and the jews were there essentially to conquer the desert and that's what the counting of the jewish people is all about because the counting gives the jew the strength that even going into the desert he should not lose himself and should always remember who he is, and that's what counting represents. Because counting, you only count that which is important. And and when it comes to Hashem, actually the counting itself gives you importance. And it reveals your essence of how deep and, and, and eternal you are. That your number is so perfect and is so exact that it, it could go on for eternity. The more the, the, the delving into this, what would seem like a limitation, a number on the one hand could be a limitation. But... As it's explained, there's a negative number. That's what it represents in Klippa, in the negative side. But then there's a positive number that, on the contrary, it shows on eternity. And it shows on importance. And something which is numbered is never nullified. It exists forever. For example, the 10 Svirot, we say, goes on forever because 10 could go into each other. 10 and then this within that one. And you could do that infinite, ad, ad infinitum, um, that's the nature of it because we're dealing with something godly, something divine, something real, the Jewish people. And Hashem counted the Jewish people to bring that out within them. And that's what's given them the strength that even when they enter into the desert, they should be able to conquer the desert and not lose themselves as they enter into this great mission. And this is the lesson for all of us that we shouldn't run away from our divine mission. We should charge right into it, right into the desert, and we shouldn't fall into depression and give up hope and say, you know, let me search out a new place which is not a desert. No, on the contrary. If it looks like a desert, that's exactly where you're supposed to do, you're supposed to be in order to transform that location that, that it should cease to be a desert and to turn into a blossoming oasis, which is what the Jewish people did when they were in the desert. The idea of a desert is that people, it's desolate, people aren't there, but they brought in an entire city. They created a city, 600,000 men, approximately two and a half million people altogether. And then it says as well that it began growing. The water the, the water that they used to drink created trees and vegetation where they went, that, we, that the Jew has the power to bring life. And particularly the ones who accomplished this are, though, are is the tabernacle, is the ones who took care of the 
of the tabernacle, of the temple, of the divine presence. So within the Jewish people themselves, it was particularly the tribe of Levi, which is why we make an extra special count, a particular count of the families of Levi and the different things that the tribe of Levi does, because they are the ones who need to make sure the most not to lose themselves and to be able to actually go about doing their divine mission. And that's and every Jew, the Rambam teaches... Um, the Ramam teaches that every Jew could join spiritually the tribe of Levi and be able to accomplish this and doesn't have to think that it's above him. On the contrary, the ability has been given to every Jew and that's why we read about it ourselves because it's not just the tribe of Levi. It's us and it's our mission and it teaches how we're supposed to live uh, our lives. An additional lesson that we, that, that we could learn from the tribe of Levi in particular, is that this greatest mission of all, carrying the tabernacle, conquering the desert, transforming it into an oasis of godliness, the Levites were regular people beforehand. In fact, they didn't even have, they weren't even considered the, the ones who were going to serve in the temple until the firstborns lost that privilege. And a person is 30 years old, which is a lot of years to go by where a person wasn't preparing for this moment. But yet, at the age of 30, they were given the task to conquer the desert and turn it into an oasis for godliness, for Hashem. And this is the tremendous lesson to us that a person should never come along and say, who am I? Too many years have gone by. 30 years have gone by, plus maybe even more years. If someone was 49 years old, 50, and he goes into the, the, the temple service, he went almost 50 years where he wasn't preparing for this moment, and perhaps the contrary. He was totally not in that mode but yet, we tell, we tell this person that not only do you have the power to conquer the desert, you're going to conquer it for the rest of the Jewish people. You're going to purify all the negativity around you. And within the Jews' mission is not only just to conquer the desert, to remove the ego and the concealment and all the negative elements, but it's also to make a place a blossoming and beautiful place, which is the two divine services of turning away from evil, and doing good, bringing godliness into the world. The, it's illustrated in Hasidus that this is the idea like when you prepare a palace for the king, first you remove the dirt, the filth, and then you bring in all the beautiful royal furniture and so on. And that's why, again, another reason why we have the breakdown of the families of, of, of the Levite family because they represent these different divine services that the Gershon and Mirari um, represent the concept of turning away from evil. In a, to use the way we explained it earlier, these emotions of love and fear are really to remove you out of the negativity. But once you're removed out of the negativity, then you got to start collecting positivity, bringing more and more positivity in Torah and mitzvahs, which is kahas, which kahas comes from the Hebrew word yikhas, which means to gather together, because his job is to collect, collect goods, collect positive things and bring it all together and thereby be able to connect to Hashem personally and to make the rest of the world a beautiful dwelling place for God Almighty.